Hey Hawks fans, Luke Bruce here. CJ here. Jarman here. If you love the Hawks, then you need to be connected to the Hawks Insiders. It's got all the latest news, match recaps, interviews and specialised content written by the Hawks fans for the Hawks fans. Make sure you subscribe. Get your daily dose of Hawthorne content into your inbox. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Here from Jarman MP for the Insiders. Hi everyone, Danny Prince here. This is a special edition Hawks Insiders podcast. Very, very excited to finally sit down and get into it with Dylan Bolsh from the Sandringham Dragons um, in relation to all things Sandy Dragons, but as they pertain to the Hawthorne Footy Club, um, we are going to chat Cam McKenzie and his first season in the brown and gold after being drafted out of the Sandy Dragons last year. We are going to chat Kalsha Deer and Ned McGuinness and anything else that catches our fancy along the way. Uh, before we get stuck into it, Dylan, thank you so much for jumping on, mate. Uh, thank you for having me. Looking forward to it. We have been trying to get together and sit down and do this podcast, I think, since pre-season. Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly been a long time coming, um, but good to finally get on. Yeah, and I think, look, now that we have the benefit of a hindsight of a full season's worth of information, it's probably the best time to sit down and have a chat. And I know, um, you know, the romanticism and um, everything that goes with father-son prospects, Kalsha Deer being one of them, Ned McGuinness maybe an outsider, you know, Smokey to be another, um, you know, Hawks fans just eat this stuff up. So we're really, really pumped that you could join us today, mate. And um, yeah, we look forward to getting stuck into it. Um, before we get anywhere i just want to say a massive congratulations to you and the wider sandy dragons uh you know team uh for the massive uh 43 point win over eastern rangers in the coach league granny the other week congratulations yeah thank you it was a exciting time for the club it, it means um back-to-back -back flags now and i think the one thing that you'll find in in um coach league footy which was used to be nab league footy is that the longer you play and the further you go in finals the more more boys you get drafted, um, and that's always the the ultimate goal with the um with the talent league program. Absolutely, and I think um if my sort of early read on your next crop of players is anything to go by, you're going to be at the pointy end again next year because yeah. there is some serious underage talent in there too. Yeah, it's it was funny last year. We obviously had a, a lot of top end talent in Will Ashcroft. Obviously went to Brisbane. Um, Hawthorne got Cam McKenzie and, and Harry Shoes went to North. So we had three guys in the top seven or eight picks um, and then a, another three or four after that. So it was a, a really um, top-heavy side last year. This year it seemed to be a lot more even across the board. Um, you know, we could have anywhere from probably six to 12 lads drafted. Um, but then, yeah, next year in particular, it looks like it'll be uh, another, another promising crop, hopefully. Absolutely. We'll just touch on the grand final really quickly. Who did you think were the standouts for Sandy on the day? Yeah. So Will Brown, who um, is he was, captain, he was, yeah, he was um, best on ground. He had 18 disposals, kicked a few goals as well. Um, I think it was yeah. Yeah. He, so he started last year, he played as a forward um, couldn't crack into the midfield when you had the likes of Ashcroft and McKenzie and um, Ollie Hotton, who got drafted to St Kilda, a few of these guys running around. So he didn't get a lot of midfield time last year. Um, spent a lot of time forward and had a really, really strong finals campaign. I think he kicked probably 10 goals across the four games and then um, was touted as a, as a midfielder this year. Played a lot of time there in the first month of the year. Um, and then gradually as the season sort of progressed, 
he's been more suited as a forward. So he went forward um, again, probably more permanently uh, a month and a bit ago now. Um, and yeah, worked really well. He um, yeah, flourished there in the, the back end of the season. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, for those who didn't get to see the grand final, what I liked about the way he plays is there's a, I'm not saying they're the same player, but there's a bit of Dylan Moore about how he goes about it in terms of that creativity. And if you looked at every single good part of Sandy, Sandy's play on the day, he was involved in some way, shape or form. And Dylan Moore has that same ability to, you know, be creative, just be involved in so many different scoring opportunities. And, um, you know, players like that generally get drafted. So I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if Will, if Will was one of those six yeah. to 12. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He, um, yeah, as you said, he has, he's one of those players that he's never had a, you know, he's not a big 35 disposal winner, but, um, what he does, he's certainly, um, worth its weight in gold. Absolutely. Now, um, I know he's not a Sandringham dragon boy, but, um, the Hawks also have one eye on uh, the Eastern Rangers team uh, with Christian Marais, a potential next generation Academy player in 2024. And he had a very, as an underage player, had a very good um, nab a coach league season. I keep doing that. Um, <laughs> and, um, and was very, very strong in the contest in the, uh, in, in the nab, in the coach league grand final. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on Christian? Yeah, definitely. I think you've summed that up really well. He, he had a really consistent year. Um, so he's, he's kicked, I've just brought up his stats here. He's kicked 10 goals um, in 16 games, which is a pretty pretty decent um, output for, a, for a, um, a player that plays through the midfield. Average 26 and a half disposals a game. So that's as an underage prospect, that's it's pretty yeah, That's yeah. as good as you'll get. Um, because, you know, rightly or wrongly, a lot of, a lot of the time the top age guys get priority. Um, yeah. So I know... Levi Ashcroft is one that, um, so he's Will's younger brother. Um, Another gun. Son. Yep. He'll go um, next year, obviously. I would be surprised if it wasn't to Brisbane, um, yep. but he's one that, you know, would be one of the better midfielders on the team, but still spends a lot of time forward purely because, you know, the, the way that the, the Coates League is structured, you've got to have those guys that are um, in their drafty getting um, as much exposure as possible. Yeah, and I think that's actually a good thing because, you know, we're going to see Levi next year and uh, he's already shown he's a Jet. He'll get drafted yep. in the top handful of players, um, you know, so to be able to give those other guys a run through, I think is really important. And and likewise with, um, you know, especially in a team as deep as the the Dragons are, like, you know, if you're, if you're not as deep, you can play those young guys, you know, in those positions, you know. But it, it's it's important that, you know, the Coats League teams have that focus on getting players in the shop window to get them drafted because that's ultimately what you're there for, right? Yeah, exactly right. And I think at the end of the day as well, you know, a lot of the time recruiters look for multiple positions in players. So for someone like Will Brown, we touched on before, he's able to play through the midfield, he's able to go forward. In Levi's case, um, I think one thing that makes him different to what Will Ashcroft was, was that Will was a pure midfielder, um, yep. played... 95% of his, his footy at the Dragons through the midfield. Levi's got that split where he could actually, you know, I could see him in a, obviously a couple of years when he gets drafted, walking straight into a, an AFL forward line and having an impact right from the get-go. Absolutely. Now we'll move on to the Hawthorne um, sort of linked players because that's what we're here for. And that's the, that's the demographic we speak to. So yeah. uh, we might start with um, Ned McGuinness and finish off with Kelsha Deer. So Ned, um, came into, I guess, 2024 and both Ned and, and Kalsha came into 2024 sort of newer to the elite junior pathways. Um, and, you know, maybe hadn't had been as committed to their AFL careers or, you know, 
attempted an AFL career as others. Um, Ned, I've just got his stats up here, played six games, kicked two goals and two behinds across those six games, averaged 15.2 disposals, uh, 7.7 kicks, 7.5 handballs or 7.4. Um, 2.7 marks, 3.2 tackles, a rebound 50 and an in, and three inside 50. So, you know, fairly reasonable stats. Um, he's obviously the brother of Hawthorne Lister player Ned, uh, Finn, sorry. Ned is the one that's going to be tra- <laughs> looking to be drafted. And then son of Scott and grandson of Norm. So uh, a family name steeped in Hawthorne history. Um, how did you see Ned's, I guess, early integration into the Sandy program? Yeah, so as you mentioned, there were there were high raps on him throughout preseason. Had was really really strong in a lot of the intra club games, um, a couple of practice matches against Oakley and the Stingrays as well. Um, so was strong in those. Got his uh, Dragons debut in round one against Eastern, um, and was I think he was second or third best on that game. Was really really strong on the wing. Um, gets forward well and. And offers a lot um, offensively too. Um, so that that first his first three games, so round one against the Rangers, um, and then two and three against the Cannons and Chargers, he was yeah one of the one of the stronger players in the team. I would have thought. Um, and then a lot of um, a lot of the Dragons boys then go. There's a um, community recession break, so a few um, they'll all go back and play local footy, and then the APS school footy competition comes around. So that's where I think we would have lost probably. 30 to 35 players in that, in that bracket. Um, often the, they're the stronger players too, that, are, that are, have either been offered um, scholarships to attend these schools or, um, you know, have opted to, to go and study at these schools because of the strength of the footy program. So we lost a massive chunk of players there and he was one of them. He, um, Scotch college boy. Um, so we lost him in that period, which was unfortunate because, you know, it means less footy at the Dragons. But, yeah, he, he played really well for Scotch. I'm pretty sure they did um, reasonably well in that competition too. So then he comes back after that in round 10, um, gets another opportunity on the outside, hits the scoreboard a um, couple of weeks in a row as that, um, you know, winger, half-forward type player, um, plays the game against the Stingrays and then unfortunately goes down with injury. Um, and then, yeah, couldn't, couldn't quite get his spot back in the team, unfortunately. And we discussed before we hit record just how tough that can be um, for young players in their draft year when they when they cop an untimely injury, especially if they're um, you know they're good players, but they're not uh, you know your standout um, youngsters. It's it can be often they can get leapfrogged, they can get left behind, and that looks like what sort of happened to to poor Ned uh, with that untimely injury. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So he um, being a, a winger, Sandy have. Um, two or three guys that are, are looking at um, their draft hopefuls um, over the next month who who are in that position. So Tarkin O'Leary's one um, as a, an outside player. Harvey Johnston's another. Um, Will Nish is one that probably leapfrogged um, that in that last sort of month and a bit heading into finals, and he's tied to St Kilda as a next-generation player. Um, so there's a couple there that... Um, Josh Docking was another that spent time at, at Vic Metro. So there's a few that have either played Vic Metro or linked with other NGA programs that that um, were preferred in that that back end. And as you mentioned, like it's a, it's a short season, um, and mm. if you you cop an injury that's a, a month long, plus when you're going off and playing school footy, there's you know th- that's the that's the core of the season gone, unfortunately. Absolutely. Um, so we saw in preseason and early in the year, he visit Ned and Kalstra actually both visited the Hawks a couple of times. And um, yeah. there was some videos in preseason 
um, you know, of, of Finn actually introducing Ned to the playing group and stuff. Now they are not built the same. That's no. fair to say, wouldn't it be Dylan? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So Ned, Ned is like, I think 188, 189 centimeters, very tall, but very slightly built, uh, yeah. like quick wingman. Is that fair to say? What? How would yeah. you describe his game? Yeah, absolutely. He's So Finn's obviously that um, bigger bodied inside inside player. Um, that's sort of how he's carved his, his mark at the Hawks. But yeah, Ned's very, very lightly built still. I think his growth spurt in the last 18 months is is off the chart, but I don't have it in front of me, but he's grown something ridiculous. Like he, yeah. he's still um, very much building into his physique. Um, but yeah, as you said, good runner, um, works the wings really, really well and is that link-up player in, in transition. Yeah. Now, based on, you know, we're only speculating here and I don't expect you to make, you know, strong comments, but my... Uh, read of the situation he probably hasn't quite done enough to be drafted this year what would the pathway look like for ned if he wasn't selected uh in in the draft or the rookie draft um does he have the potential to come back to sandy as an overage player does he look at you know the vfl system what does that look like for for somebody like ned yeah so there's a range of factors that can play into it and i think the beauty of of you know getting onto an AFL AFL list now is that there are so many options. So if you don't make the um, the national draft, there's um, rookie drafts, there's preseason supplementary picks, there's midseason draft. There's all sorts of ways that you can work your way onto a list. And for some players, that clubs actually prefer them to go and play VFL footy or play senior footy elsewhere and, and put that body of working behind them um, before they before they get a crack. So. Yeah, for Ned, it could be a if he doesn't get picked up, it, it might be that he, he comes back as an overage at the Dragons. Um, it might be that he goes and plays VFL footy somewhere. It might be that he he plays you know senior level footy somewhere. Um, mm. But cer- it's certainly not. Um, and I think you see that now. John Newcomb's one at, at Hawthorne. He's yep. you know he's argu- arguably our best player at the moment, and um, you know he was overlooked for a few drafts. Um, yeah, and and overlooked by Gippsland Power as well. Yep. Yeah. Exactly right. And that's that's the other thing is that these regions just because you're not on an ablate uh, totes league list or just because you don't make a big metro program it, it doesn't stamp you um stamp you out or something so yeah there's a range of different um avenues to get onto an afl list and, and if ned doesn't get get drafted this year i'm sure there's um a variety of things that he'll explore in 2024 absolutely and i think i think that's worth keeping in mind especially for a player like ned you spoke about his um you know incredible growth spurt over the last sort of 12 18 months being a really slight frame, adjusting to the elite junior competition. You know, that's a lot for a young person to be, you know, sort of trying to make sense of in, in a draft year. So um, what we need to keep in mind and not you, Dylan, but like as a, as a Hawthorne, you know, fandom is that sometimes these things for, for different players take a little bit longer, you know, the physical development or the understanding of expectations or whatever that might be for the individual player. Sometimes it doesn't all happen as uh, when they're 17 years old and, you know, um, these, these guys need to fill into their, their frame so that they're ready for the, you know, the demands of elite level footy. So uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on with Ned, um, you know, going forward. I want to track across to uh, probably the reason why I wanted to get you on this podcast and and we'll give a bit of time um, to, to Kalsha Deer. Um, obviously, uh, we were messaging b- um, back and forth, um, DMing each other on Twitter over the course of the early part of the season and into, you know, the season proper around, um, 
you know, Kalsha and what that, what, you know, he, he looked like and how he was progressing. How did he start? How did he settle into the Sandy, Dra- Sandy Dragons program and what were your early impressions of him? Yeah, so he didn't wasn't around at all last year. So often these players will come through to the 16s program or they'll be in as a bottom ager and um, they can sort of build, especially someone of Kalsh's ability. You, you will have seen them around the trap somewhat, um, but he didn't play any footy at the Dragons last year, obviously, um, with the, the family stuff that they had going on with Paul. So he, yeah, didn't play any footy at all last year and, and sort of started afresh um, at the start of, the start of pre-season this year. Um, so that's a that's a pretty tough gig to go from playing no footy to trying to mix it with you know the best young talent in the country and even at Sandringham like he, he's in a forward line with two other key forwards that are either mid season options or, or national options this year. So Luke Lloyd kicked twenty plus goals and Archer May as well kicked twenty plus goals. So even in that forward line, he you know he's, he's competing as the main guy with with two other blokes. Um, so yeah, came into the program fresh. Um, and as a key forward, as I'm sure you're aware, that can take more time. Um, so his first um, month of the season probably wasn't his, he, he, that's not his, um, a true reflection of his ability. So he kicked just the one goal in the first three games, had a lot of shots on goal though. Um, it, it felt like it was uh, a little bit of like an almost month for Cal. So he, he kicked just the one goal, but he would have had, you know, three shots on goal a game, which, which is a pretty decent output, um, but didn't really stick it all together then um was injured for a bit came back um played uh murray bush rangers was his first game back struggled again there kicked the one goal but didn't get a lot of the footy and then it was a a couple of games back to back where he kicked three in each game and it sort of felt like oh here we go like he's building into something here um couple of couple of games where he was an almost play and I think as a as a forward I mentioned before that we had such a turnover of players with the APS school footy competition it's hard to you know when you've got different midfielders delivering you the ball each week it's hard to work out where your running patterns are even as a forward line that chop can change a lot too so you know he might have been the player higher up the ground and then he was forced to play deep like there was a lot of moving pieces there and then I, I think the game for me that was his his real breakout game was a month and a bit ago against Oakley. He had two goals, 20 touches, um, six marks, five tackles. It felt like it all came together for him in that game. One of the better players on the ground. And um, yeah, from there, he sort of took it took it and ran. Mm. Now he did. He had a few games where he really um, dominated on, you know, in, in, in multiple areas. Like I look at the game against the Jets, which could yeah. have been anything. He kicked one goal, four from 21 disposals with nine marks. The game against the Chargers, like you said, you know, he had bags of three, multiple times kicked bags of two, but kicked them with like two, two or two, three, or, yeah. you know, or had lots of shots on goal. Um, is that a reflection of adjusting to um, the Coates league or is there issues with kicking at goal there for Kalsha that he'll need to address or what, what do you put that down to the, the inaccuracy because he did kick, you know, and I'll go through stats quickly before you answer that Dylan, he kicked 21 goals, 24 um, Mm. for the season. And like you said, effectively competing inside his own forward line for, uh, you know, for, you know, position as, as a, as a key forward with two, um, seriously draftable um, prospects in their own right. Yeah. Um, that that 21 goals, 24 was from 15 games. He averaged just a shade under 12 disposals a game, um, three marks, two tackles, four hit outs a game. And I think that's an underrated part that we'll chat about at NAB League mm. level two and two inside fifties a game as well. So when he was playing in the ruck, he actually played um, 
and made an impact around the ground too. So, um, yeah, what just back to the kicking a goal before we go on to the other aspects of his game that's that are intriguing. Um, is there is there issues there? Is it just needing to be in an elite environment for a longer period to straighten out the kicking action, or what do you think that is? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. As you mentioned, it um, it is hard to transition straight away into an elite elite pathway and. Clearly, when you look at the numbers, 21-24, it's, it's not what he would have liked to have kicked. Um, you know, you're always wanting to kick more goals than, than behind. But I, I don't think it's – you look at some players and you go, oh, the, the kicking is, a, is an issue. I, I don't mm. think it's an issue for him. It's something that he could certainly improve on. Um, yep. but it, it's not something that – I would be very surprised if his draft chances were affected by that. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. And I watched him a couple of times, including – um, a really impressive performance in the Coates League Grand Final. And I want to touch mm. on that in a sec. But looking at the way he actually, you know, sort of his his set shot routine, it looks pretty fluid. I, I, yeah. I don't see anything seriously concerning there. Uh, maybe it's some time spent with, uh, you know, sort of technique coaches and stuff just to sort of get that um, routine down pat and, and you see an uptick in that. And I think clubs look for that too, right? Because, you know, yes, it's great to see him kick 21 goals, but if he kicks you know, 31, 14, yeah. and he, then he's being drafted in the second round or the third round of the, of the national draft. Um, but if you look behind the stats, you can actually see, well, he, this guy's had at least 50 shots on goal yeah. this season. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, this is in a, in a forward line that has legitimate other options. He's not the number one man. Sometimes he's playing in the ruck to give, um, you know, uh, the other two options, you know, some freedom in there because mm. you can't always play three tall forwards. So, um, you know, Going back to the Coach League Grand Final, uh, what did you make of his performance in what was probably arguably the biggest game of his career? Yeah, I thought he was exceptional. So as you mentioned, he um, we sort of experimented throughout the season with with two rucks. So Vigo Vizantini, whose brother Dante is at Port Adelaide at the Adelaide, moment, yep. he's he's been the main guy for us and, and will likely get get picked up by an AFL club. Um, so he he's been our main guy, and then we've had. Uh, Levi Young, who's the son of player manager Colin for for periods there. Tim Paris, who um, is out of St. Kevin's. He didn't play at all last year because he had a, a serious shoulder injury. So there's a few guys that have sort of rotated through. Brody Finlay is another one. Um, but we felt like, as you mentioned, with the three guys up forward in, in Kalsha, um, Archimate and Luke Lloyd, didn't want to go too tall. Um, mm. So that's where Kalsha's versatility and ability to go through the ruck was really beneficial because it meant that um, when... Vigo was gassed. Couch could go into the ruck. So he's mm. yeah, grand finally kicked two goals. Again, had four or five shots on goal. Um, 13 disposals, few marks, few inside 50s. Had 14 hit outs. And there was a period there in the second half where the game was on the line. The Rangers yep. were certainly coming. Um, yep. And he, he went into the ruck and he actually broke the game open for he, us. I thought he was... It was like I was watching prime Nick Napanui go about his business. He, yeah. he, his hit outs were either straight down the throat of one of the midfielders or, you know, there was two or three times where he sort of knocked it out the front of the, the stoppage, run onto his own work and then kicked, a, kicked the ball, you know, 60 metres forward. So he was, yeah, I think that's a really underrated part of his game. Yeah, and I'm I'm really glad, glad you brought up that sort of period of time because I watched that and thought, this is a draftable player. Yeah. There were things that... that Deer did in that game, which most junior footballers don't do. Yeah, um, exactly right. And yeah, it comes back to the, the confidence stuff as well. So we obviously came into the season, have not played, struggled a bit in the first month. So it, it's hard to to build from that. That game against the Chargers that I mentioned before, where he had 
um, had the 20 and two goals a week after, a couple of weeks after that Jets game where he had a lot of shots on goal, didn't quite put it together. It's felt like since then he's just grown every single game. So he kicked two against um, the Jets in the wildcard playoff, kicked two against the Knights and then one in the prelim and two in the grand final. It just feels like his last month he's built so much. Yeah, he, he absolutely has. I mean, if you were going to describe him for Hawthorne fans in terms of his playing style or liken him to a player in the AFL, yep. besides prime Nick Natanui, what who would you <laughs> who would you liken him to? Yeah, oh, that's a that's a tough question. He, oh, that's tough. He, he's sort of that. I, I don't think he's the main main guy. I, I no. think he's very much a second or third forward purely because at the moment, anyway, he, he doesn't have that size to sit in a goal square and, and wrestle with the, you know, the, the gorilla key backs, um, yeah. which is what Archer May did. So he was often the stay-at-home forward who's massive guy. I think he's 100-plus kilos already, um, close to 200 centimetres. And then Kaus was able to use his athleticism around the ground to get further up and and sort of operate, operate in that sense. So I could certainly see, like, if you fast-forward five years, I could see a forward line where he's working with Mitch Lewis as the second tall Um yeah. For sure. He, he's very much, yeah, it's tough. I'm trying to think of a, a good he, comparison. He's a, he's a really impressive athlete, isn't he? Yeah. Like, um, in terms of, I would say he's about, what is he, 194, 195 centimeters? Yeah. So he's not huge. And I, I, I get a little concerned about, you know, using his hit out stats in the Coates League as a, a marker for his draft stock because I don't see a lot of that happening in the AFL if he, if he yeah. was, if, and when he was drafted. Um, but you know, you, 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 you see clubs, you, you see Richmond, they did it with Sean Grigg as a, as the relief mm. Ruckman. So, you know, um, who knows, but, but what I will say is that fluidity of his athleticism and the way he covers the ground. And I think you touched on it before a couple of times I saw him kick the ball in general play. And I, and I swear that went 60 meters. Like yeah. he's got a leg on him. Um, you know, so there's some really sort of exciting, uh, yeah, as I, as I always say, you, when you're looking at players that you you want your club to draft or you, you see how they're progressing towards an AFL, you, you sit there and you go, what are his key draftable AFL quality assets? So what does yeah. he do that he could do at AFL level uh, that he hasn't sort of shown or that he shows here, um, you know, and you'll often find very good Coates League players don't get drafted to the mm. AFL because they're good at a lot of things, but they're not elite at any one or two things. Yeah. Um, whereas that's certainly think- something that recruiters are looking for now, as you said, Correct. you need to, and even throughout the year that um, the coach Rob Harding has been awesome in this sense is that you, you want to develop your weapons. You want to learn mm. and use your weapons because ultimately that's what, that's what gets you drafted. It doesn't matter if you're the, fifth best bloke at kicking, fifth best bloke with handballs and working in the contest, you've got to have something that makes you go, wow, I want to pick you on an AFL list. Absolutely. And I, I think for for Deer and um, if anybody was watching the the Coates League Grand Final, Shifter Sheehan dropped it a couple of times. He has fantastic hands. Yeah. Um, he, he, he marks the ball at a tice point. Uh, he seems to have quite long arms too. So his reach mm. is really good for a big guy and he moves really well and he kicks it like a mule. So, you know, if you're looking at, you know, what, what you'd bring in as a raw sort of almost lump of clay type draftable prospect, that's not a bad foundation to work yeah. for. And one thing, I guess a knock on, on Kausch's uh, talent league season was that he hasn't had that game where he's kicked five or six mm. goals. He, ha- he hasn't had that massive performance. He still can do that. Yeah, I know he went back and played a game at um, Bo Morris, Bo which Morris. is his, his local club, and he kicked 14 goals or something in that game. It was best. And, and this is as a 
um, an 18 year old kid playing against, you know, bigger bodies. So he certainly has that potential. It just, um, it just didn't happen. I think that's partly a product of the system that they had in place at the Dragons this year, where you have so many options and it's not too reliant on, on one player. It's, you often think that, you know, if he was playing in a, a side like the Northern Knights where they've got um, Nate Caddy as your, your main guy and it's sort of Caddy or bust, um, you know, yeah, he's season put together might a different season. Um, but I think there's certainly a lot to a lot to work with there. As you mentioned, if you were picking a, a pure raw prospect, he's certainly got a lot to like. Absolutely, absolutely. I think um, before we um, touch on a bit of Cam uh, McKenzie and then uh, wrap it up, um, we know that Kalsha's last uh, late father Paul was uh, obviously a Hawthorne champion and his uh, brother Harry Deer also flirted mm. with an AFL career at Adelaide after being bypassed by the Hawks. If you know we were to put you on the spot right now, Dill, do you think Kelsha gets picked up by the Hawks? And you know, what sort of range do you think he'd get picked up? Is he looking, you know, late national rookie? What, what do you think? Uh, it's a tough one, uh, and I haven't been privy to those conversations to know anything either way. I, I would think it's probably a, a rookie option. Um, yeah. I think the fact that he's tied as a father-son to, to Hawthorne helps a lot. Um, yeah. His last month really, really helped. If you had asked me a, a month and a bit ago, I probably would have gone, uh, I don't think so. Um, really. But the last month makes me think possibly. Um, I think with, with Kaus... So he's been so promising that even if he didn't get picked up, and I mentioned this with Ned, I would be again. I, I don't play any role in the in the boys coaching yeah. boys coaching level, but I would think he is the prototype of a player that they would get back in next year as a top ager. So he, yeah. um, often the the criteria around that is that you haven't seen enough of them, or that there are um, either you haven't seen enough of them, they're injury affected you the the um, in their draft year, or that they're at all that are developing. I think he ticks almost all three of those boxes. So he didn't play yeah, any footy right. in his 17s year. So that's a that's a total write-off. Played a lot this year um, and been a talk and he's sort of building. So I, I could see a world where he comes back, if he doesn't get picked up by Hawthorne, a world where he comes back next year at the Dragons and, and plays uh, either the first half of the year and then they look at him as a mid-season prospect or potentially at the, at the end of next year. Absolutely. I think, I think you summed that up perfectly. I think, you know, with his build, his height, he's still quite slight as a, yeah. as a, as a tool um, clubs and, and especially the Hawks would be looking at him and going, you know, what if we can put five, six kilos yeah. on him? What does it mean then, you know, when he can start to compete with those bigger, bigger bodies, you know, yeah. and whether uh, that's. I'll put, yeah. Sorry to cut you off. I'll put no, my, no, my Hawthorne Nuffy hat on here for a second. And please. So. Kaczynski's just requested a trade to yeah. um, Richmond. Fergus Green doesn't have a, a deal in front of him yet, and they've just delisted um, Emerson Jacker. I wonder yeah. if that's possibly alluding to something there. I don't know. I'm just completely spitballing no, here. But, I, I, um, I think most Hawks fans would be having the same thoughts in their minds. Yeah. You can't get rid of all of that uh, key position talent and not replace it. You know, yep. I thought I thought we were light in key position talent anyway mm. going into this season. So, you know, if Cozzy moves on, you'd need to get some sort of experienced AFL ready body, but you'd also need a, cu- a couple of young developing key position players. Mm. Maybe Deer is one of those. And I know they've been they've been tied to uh, maybe your child who potentially yep. feels that Kaczynski rolls as the second tall. But yeah, I think if I was a Hawthorne recruiter, I'd certainly be looking at, at Deer as a as a project player. Absolutely. Absolutely. Dill, we really appreciate your time, mate. We've got a couple more and I'll let you go. Um, you know, just tr- tracking back, we, we chatted post, uh, post last year's draft on Twitter spaces, mm. uh, now X spaces about, <laughs> um, 
about another um, Sandy Dragon, Cam McKenzie, who we selected at pick seven. Um, what did you make of McKenzie's season as a, you know, Sandringham Dragons man and also a Hawthorne man? Yeah, it was interesting. I think um, it felt like he, he didn't quite put together what he would have been hoping for. And I haven't spoken to Cam in, in a few months now, so I, that's, I haven't run that by him. But it yep. feels like he's um, – what I saw him do at Coates League level or NAB League level, whatever it was last year, he, he showed glimpses of that at AFL level, but it didn't quite come together. And I think part, that part of that is because, you know, he, he was the second guy at Sandringham behind Ashcroft. He, he was in an environment that he knew and was experiencing. And he's coming to a new environment and immediately he's, the pace of the game, I think, has stepped up a notch. He's got obviously Newcomb through there, Warple through there. So he never really was the main main guy. He was, he was often having to play half. Again, this comes back to what I was saying about Levi Ashcroft before having that, you know, secondary position as, as a half forward. Cam, for the most part, played as a midfielder last year. And I think yep. that's why we saw him struggle to, to cement a, a really solid place this year because he was pure, you know, purely a midfielder at the Dragons. And then Sam Mitchell was asking him, oh, I'll play on a half forward flank, you know, play mm. on a wing. And, and he hadn't done a lot of that coming through the, the pathway programs. Um, but oh, I think we saw there was a game against North Melbourne, mm-hmm. you know, round three or four that was, was really strong. Um, and there were certainly you know, quarters here and there, I thought, oh, you know, he's shown a few things. I, th- I think it, it felt like at times the pace caught up to him a fair bit. One of his strengths yeah. at, at the Dragons was his his awareness, his composure under pressure. And it felt like at times that um, was lacking a little bit for the Hawks yeah. this year. Um, yeah. But that's certainly something, having, you know, seen him for the last, you know, year and a bit at the Dragons, that I didn't have any concerns about that. Usually you go, oh, you know, we'd use top seven on this bloke. It looks like he's off the pace. But having seen him, you know, go through those programs. It's not a concern of mine yeah. at all. And I, I think, give it another preseason and, and more development, he'll um, he'll certainly come into his own. I think I think that's a really good point because one of the not criticisms I had of McKenzie, but one of the observations I had was, you can see that he has time and space when he gets the ball, mm. but he didn't really utilize it as quickly as he needed to. And I think that's just an adjustment period, right? Yeah. So, you know, young players come in and, you know, the amount of time they've been allowed to have with the ball at Coates League level is going to be vastly different to what they're allowed at AFL level. Yeah. You know, the, the heat's on in the kitchen all the time at AFL level. You don't have the ability just to sort of amble around. And there is sometimes, and some some players get it straight away. Others take them a season, season or two. Um, and when you're also being asked to play out of position, compared to what you used to, um, you know, sometimes the, that double effect can uh, can just lead to a bit of a slower burn in terms of your adaptation to AFL footy. Yeah. What do you think um, we didn't really see from McKenzie this year that with a bit more experience and a bit more conditioning through another preseason, mm. um, we will see potentially in 2024? But I think, like, he never had that, that game where he had his 25 touches and really – you know, put his, his authority on the contest. I think we saw a little bit of that at Box Hill where he yep. was, Agreed. you know, not having to compete with these these sorts of, you know, Newcomb, Warple, uh, Will Day obviously went through the midfield this year, these sorts of players. I think it's, it almost feels like he just needs a game where he, he really stamps himself on the contest and that sort of opens up the floodgates for him. Um, because, yeah, as I said, it was last year, you would have heard far more about him last year if Ashcroft wasn't, winning every award under the sun. I, I think there was a Absolutely. case last year where he should have won best on ground in the, in the NAB league grand final. I, I reckon he had two goals and like 28 disposals. Ashcroft had 35 and one 
but it, it felt like McKenzie's impact was was just as strong. And I think there's a lot to like. And as you mentioned, it it happens at different stages for different players. You know, she's, Harry Shears is one that I can speak on because he, he was at the Dragons the year before. Yep. Goes and plays half back, has essentially no requirements to defend or do anything and can sort of do what he pleases. So in that sense, he's got all the freedom in the world. For someone like McKenzie, who's either trying to compete with all these other players inside or yep. playing half forward in a, in a team that, you know, let's be honest, we struggled this year at Hawthorne. Yep. Um, yep. It, it feels like as the team develops, as he sort of learns the guys around him, how they play and, and pl- I guess learns more about his role on the outside, if that's where he, he um, they have in, in mind for him playing going forward. I, I, I think he's an inside midfielder um, mm. long term mm-hmm. alongside alongside some of those other guys. But if it means he has to play outside until then, um, I think, yeah, there's a lot to, um, lot to look forward to for Hawks fans. Yeah. I think you're spot on there with um, that transition period for youngsters mm. coming into a team. Like clearly Mitchell rates him because yeah. he played him as much as he did, even though there wasn't a spot for him in inverted commas. Um, but, you know, he'd find positions to put him in because he wanted him in the team. He wanted the games under his belt. I think you'll see, um, you know, over the next couple of years, and it may even not be in 2024, it might be 2025 or 2026, that he – finds and starts to phase into that midfield group, the mm. inside midfield group. And the guys like, you know, Connor Nash and Warp will start to play less time, yep. you know, and it ends up being, a, you know, John Newcomb, Cam McKenzie, Will Day, uh, Connor McDonald um, mm. type midfield with Josh Ward run, rotating through there as well, you know? So um, I think one of the things that, we, that Hawks fans should really get excited by is I'm not sure there's many players on our list that have the ability that cam has to weight his passes into an, yeah. to a leading forward like he does his touch on his um on his 35 to 40 meter kicks is exceptional and reminds me a lot of his current hawthorne coach yeah, yeah completely uh, it, agree it it's was so like, impressive he's got i mean the hair is similar in a sense but there were times watching him at the drag i don't think we saw it as much at hawthorne but Certainly at the Dragons we go, he's capable on both sides of the body. And as you mentioned, his kicking is, you look at him and go, oh, he's, he's mishit that. It's it's going to fall 10 metres short. And it is perfectly in the lane for the forward. It hits him yep. chest out. It's, yeah, he, he's a really, a really good kick. Um, and as you said, I think it, the more that he, he plays um, at the top level, I think the more that you will see that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, expectations for, for McKenzie for, for 2024? What are your thoughts? Um, I think he, I think he possibly will work his way into that midfield group. But as you mentioned, it feels like someone like Nash and and even Warple to an extent are there at the moment because they're the bigger bodies, they're the more seasoned, um, more seasoned campaigners. But long term, I think they've got a bit of a ceiling. Yeah, you know, we've seen yep. Warple's got deficiencies with his kicking and and his disposal. And Nash, obviously, um, as good as he's been transitioning into the midfield, it feels like he's never going to be the guy that has 35 and kicks three goals. Like, I don't yeah. think he's, he's that that player. Um, so, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see McKenzie, you know, playing 40% CBAs next year and, and really, you know, pushing the 20-game the barrier. Um, I think he played 14, 15, I reckon. 15, yeah. 14, 15, but probably five of those were his sub and then, yeah. um, you know, another five on half forward and the other five on the wing. So, I, I think, I feel like it could be next year and, uh, that um, admittedly is based on what he can do in the preseason and how that looks. But yeah, if you were looking at the midfield mix next year, I could see no reason why you couldn't have it as, as a Newcomb will day and, and then have McKenzie rotating through more heavily. 
Absolutely. Now, before we let you go, and we really appreciate your time, mate, really do. Um, who are some of the Sandy names that Hawks fans should keep an eye out for come uh, the national draft and the rookie draft this year? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a tricky one. Riley Sanders is probably our best prospect. He, um, I think, he was accepted into the North Melbourne Academy, but he they he won't was. get they won't get no. rights to him. Um, no. He's probably after our first pick. What have we got picked? Three or four. Yeah, I, I would have thought he'd probably select like eight to twelve. Is yep. that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, had a, a really strong season, but um, I think it would be a stretch to grab him this early. Yeah. Yep. Um, what other picks have we got? There's. Do you have off the top of your head what Hawthorne's got at the draft? Uh, so we've got 28 is the next one. Um, yep. And I think, I want to say 44, something like that. Um, yep. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't yeah. have it. I should have it off the top of my <laughs> head, but um, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So that sort of um, second round, you're looking at um, Archie Roberts is one that spent um, a lot of time in the um, in the elite pathways, he, he played in the grand final last year. He spent time in the AFL Academy this year and, and Vic Metro and all those sorts of programs. He's a, a really um, attacking halfback flanker and it feels like Hawthorne's probably got enough of those at the moment. Um, but he's a he's certainly one to watch. Um, Harvey Johnson's very... He's one that... Um, I liked him. Yeah, it's really silky mover. Um, again, doesn't put up the, the huge numbers, but... You know, twenty touches and a couple of goals is certainly a, a pretty strong game for him. He's it, lively as a forward and as mm. a midfielder. It looks like he's got an extra second compared to everyone else. He's really, uh, really good in the contest like that, and he's he's one of those players that you love having around the club as well. Um, yeah. So he's one that potentially you're looking at it in that range. Um, who else have you got? Um, what about Archer May? Um, Arch, Arch was one that was probably our closest in the mid-season draft. So he, mm. it was around last year, but, but didn't really, um, hadn't really committed to footy. So he, he spent a lot of time working on his fitness over the off-season and, and sort of really building um, into this year. And he was on Richmond's VFL list and played a few games there and then obviously spent a lot of time playing at the Dragons. He, he's one that um, I could see potentially getting a rookie spot. Yeah. Um, at a, at a club, uh, Luke Lloyd's another who, similar to Kalsha, put up those huge numbers at, at local local footy, um, kicked bags of like nineteen goals, playing for um, De La Salle College, that sort of thing. He, he's one that um, got a national combine invite. Byzantini, as I mentioned, is a rough, mm. um, got a national invite. Uh, who else we got? I think uh, Sanders, Roberts, Ollie Murphy's one that. Um, really exciting as a key defender. I think he's yep. probably... He'll probably go in the top 15 to 20, I reckon. Yeah, but again, he's probably in between our picks, I think. Yep. Um, yeah, so we've got, just just to reiterate those picks, we've got uh, 3, 30, 49 and 78 in the national draft as it stands at the moment. Yeah, um, just let me bring up the, the national combine list hold on a second. Yeah, and I, and I think like understanding, I, I mean, I, um, Murphy's one that I really like to look of, you know, 200 odd centimeters um still not fully developed physically but competes well in the air uh looks like a really good defensive prospect unfortunately unless the hawks can manufacture a way to get another bid uh, another pick in before the will mckay bid comes in at sort of between 15 and 20 um murphy might be one we just can't get our hands on yeah, I think so. But we saw that last year when they they traded up for Josh Weather. Correct. So Correct. They're, they're certainly open to that sort of thing. Um, 
Tarkin O'Leary is one I touched on before as, as an outside player who um, who got a national combine invite. So the way the combine sort of works is that if you get a national, it means you've probably got six plus clubs looking at you. Um, a state is often three or four. And then um, after, so for someone like Kelso who didn't get a state combine invite, to me, that isn't really alarm bells because he's tied to us as a father son. Um, yep. But he did. He got a late call up. Yeah, yeah. So he, so the he got the um, which again is probably off the back of that last month. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is um, and they always leave a few spots open um for players like that who who can um, you know, really, really finish the season strongly and then um, let them go from there. So yeah, I I think it's uh, Harvey Johnson's probably the one in the middle of the yeah. pack that I think yeah. would be exciting for us. Um, and there's a few others that are. Um, you know, maybe they take a punt on someone like Byzantini, given Max Lynch is retired, but yeah, mm. who knows? Yeah. Well, we are going to leave it there. And I am incredibly grateful, Dill, for your time uh, today. Thank you for jumping on and chatting to Hawks Insiders about all things Sandy Dragons and the connections between the Dragons and the Hawks. It's nice to chat to a Hawthorne person who uh, <laughs> who's at the Dragons and and getting a bit of insight into Mackenzie and McGuinness and Deer. So um, where can where can people find you if they want to follow you on Twitter? Yeah, on Twitter, um, Bolsh Dylan <laughs> ran the wrong way when I first made the account, which is a bit annoying. But um, yeah, hit me up on there if you've got any questions or anything. Beautiful, mate. And we'll, I'm sure we'll touch base uh, later on in the year, especially if the Hawks uh, end up taking on Kalsh or, or somebody else from the from the Dragons. So thanks so much for your time. Yeah, fingers crossed. Thanks so much for having me. This was another Hawks Insiders production. Make sure to subscribe to our Substack for wall-to-wall Hawthorne Footy Club coverage.